Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Let's pray together. God, we indeed give you our praise. All that we are, all that we have, we offer to you as our living sacrifice and pleasing to you. God, as the praises of your people have, have risen before your throne today, we, we hope, we pray that you have been blessed by, by our offering, by our, the meditation of our heart, the song of our lips. And now, fathers, we turn to Scripture as we come to this teaching moment. We ask that you would speak to us, that you would bless us with your words, with your truth, and that you would move in us and you would change us. God, teach us how to love better. We pray in the name of Jesus. You can be seated. But once again, let me uh, say to you, welcome. We're glad that you're here at Faith Christian. Both those of you here in the room with us and those of you watching online, uh, thanks for tuning in and being a part of the service. Uh, We do exist for one reason here at Faith Christian, and that is to help people find and follow Jesus. So if there's some way we can walk with you as you take your next step as a follower of Jesus, uh, we would love to participate with you in that. Let us know how we can walk with you in your relationship with Jesus. Also, I do want to mention to you, in just a few minutes, we together in a time of communion. If you did not receive communion emblems when you came into the room this morning, these little cups look like this. Uh, if you just wave your hand real quick, Brian's back there by the table. He'll bring you one in a second. And if you're watching with us at home today, we would love for you to participate with us in the body and the blood of Jesus in just a little while. And you find something at your house you can use uh, to represent that body and the blood, those communion emblems, as we share together in that communion service in just a little bit. Let me say again, I've said this for the last three weeks. I'll continue saying it. I think all, all fall long. Welcome home. That's our theme this fall. That's what we're doing here this fall. We want to welcome you home, back to church, back to a relationship with God. We are transitioning today in our theme of Welcome Home to a conversation for the, through the month of October about, well, your home. We're, we're going to move a little bit closer to home today. We're going to begin a new series today about families and about parenting and about these, some, truths, some biblical truths that God has given us for how to raise godly kids. And I'm going to mention to you, because I'm looking around the room, right now and i know that most of you in the room right now i don't know about who's watching online but most of you in the room right now your kids are already at the house they're they're gone you got them out of there good for you all right i'm counting down the days i'm not really but yes so listen this sermon series is for you too those of you whose kids are already grown those parents this sermon series these principles we're going to learn these are relationship principles we're going to talk about them in the context of parenting, in the context of, of, of children at home. But these, these principles are timeless, and they are for you too. And there's going, to, there's going to be a part of this, especially today, those of you who maybe are a, a couple of gray hairs older than me, and that's not many because i got a lot. There's a principle that we're going to talk about today that us parents with kids still at home, we need you to pull this one off, and we'll get there in just a minute. Now, I think it's very appropriate that we begin this series today on the day that we welcome our new staff members to lead our next generation ministry, Kara and Noah Rose, as Brian introduced them to you a few minutes ago. I think this is important that we begin this today on the day they're here because this is one of the driving principles, um, we could use the word values, of this congregation. It has been since the very first day this congregation began. And that is we are for families. We are for 
parents and kids and the blending of the church with parents and kids and helping parents raise their kids, helping parents lead their families. That's one of the things that drives all, all that we do, and that's why we invest so much of our time and our resources and our staffing in our next generation ministry and in our parents. Because I don't know if you knew this or not, <laughs> but over the last 20 months or so, I've come to realize that nothing's normal, right? Nothing's been normal over the last little bit. Everything is, I'm going to use this word, this series, that nothing is common anymore. And we're going to talk about uncommon families in this series. We're going to talk about what's it look like to have a family that's uncommon, because I think we all agree. Even as you look past, uh, back at your families, I look at my family, there are a lot of areas in our life where common is not working very well anymore. We thought it was the way to do it, but we've learned maybe even more recently in these last, these last months of a pandemic that common isn't. For instance, the common way of dealing with, with money has led a lot of us, our state, our nation, a lot of our families has led us into a lot of debt, a lot of worrying, a, a, a lot of, of stress that we can't manage anymore because we thought it was the common way to deal with our finances. The way of doing marriage has led a lot of couples into counseling and therapy and Prozac and vodka and whatever they take the edge of. The same thing is true with our families and with our parenting. Common just isn't working anymore. As a matter of fact, if you grew up um, kind of like I did, you grew up with vision, this idea of what a common family looked like, and it looked a little bit like this. Let me see the picture. It looked a little bit like, remember these guys? Some of you are too, too young to remember these. The Brady Bunch? Remember this beautiful sitcom? Here's a story about a man named Brady bringing up very, or, the, the kids. It was a beautiful story, right? This blended family. Somehow they were able to take this, this, this family and blend it in this perfect mesh of two families coming together, and everybody loved each other, and all the problems got resolved in 22 minutes every week. Remember this? If you watch The Brady Bunch today, if it's still on rerun somewhere, you find it streaming, I, I, you, you'll like me, you'll laugh at just how corny it is, just how ridiculous the premise is. But can you imagine if they remade The Brady Bunch today, what that family would look like? Marsha would be bulimic. Jan would go goth. Cindy would be shoplifting. Greg would be roid raging. Peter would be hosting dogfights in the backyard. And Bobby would be selling weed to Alice, the housekeeper. That's what com what's common now. That's what families are dealing with today. The truth is, common for families is not really very good. Here's what's common for families. 60% of marriages end up in divorce. It's common today to be 35 or older and still be unpacking all the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups that you got from your family growing up. That's common. It's common today to be a with and outdo the ex because they make life so much better than you can. What's common today is to be an empty nester and be filled with all sorts of regrets about how you mismanaged your time and your, partner, your parenting with your kids. What's common today is to feel like you are out of control and you are out of ideas and you are out of patience and you are out of time with your children. And since common really isn't working anymore, we thought maybe it'd be a good idea to stop and ask, what would uncommon look like? could uncommon look like what would it look like to go back to scripture and see what god thinks about parenting and about these relationships because it really was his idea 
about families that we could do now that would be incredibly uncommon from anything we know because common doesn't really work in fact the bible teaches us so much about what parenting could be about what parenting should be and gives us great principles about how to manage our families so if you got a bible with you join me this morning in deuteronomy chapter 5 it'll be on the screen behind me and we're going to see these incredible practical principles about parenting now before we get to it you need to know this because this is important even though the bible is filled with these principles these solid gold principles right from the mouth of god it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody in the Bible practiced these principles. If you were under the impression that everybody in the Bible was perfect, I have some really sad news for you today. There were a lot of dysfunctional people in the Bible, which makes me feel better because there's a lot of dysfunction in my life too. And the Bible is full of examples of families that were just a disaster. For instance, David is one of the heroes of scripture The Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart But David, I don't know if you know this or not David was a horrific husband Awful husband And he was such a poor father That one of his sons tried to kill him And he ended up having his son killed he was such an awful father that if he were around today, his story would be so outlandish, so unbelievable, they wouldn't even be able to put him on Jerry Springer or reality TV. That's how insane of a disaster David was as a, as a dad. And that's, listen, that's one of the things I love about the Bible. It's one of the reasons that I believe that the Bible is true. Because if, if Scripture were manufactured, this was just somebody making up stories they wouldn't put the disaster stories in there. Everybody, everything would be warm fuzzies and teddy bears and baby ducks. It'd be perfect. But the disaster stories are there. And what I love about the Bible is that it constantly tells us that even though, even though it's filled with imperfect people, we serve a perfect, gracious God who just keeps giving us more and more and more grace and more and more chances. So I don't know what kind of baggage you brought in here today or what mistakes you've made or are making in your parenting, but you need to know that we serve a God of grace, a God that wants to help you start making the right choices. So here's what, that's, that's, that's what we're going to talk about over these next five weeks together. So let's jump to Deuteronomy chapter 5. When we pick up the story here in Deuteronomy chapter 5, let me just kind of tell you what's going, going on. Moses has led God's people, the children of Israel, led them out of slavery where they'd been for, for centuries as slaves in Egypt. And they've wandered around the wilderness now for 40 years. And they're getting ready to, to move, finally move into the promised land, this land that God had promised them through their ancestors, this beautiful, wonderful place to live. They'd been waiting for their entire lives for generations. And so this huge crowd of about two million people huge multi-generational group of people people of all ages over a million people under moses's care and leadership are about to move into the promised land moses stands up before this group before this great assembly this multi-generational crowd and he is giving here in deuteronomy 5 and 6 he is giving his farewell address moses knows he doesn't get to go into the promised land because that's a that's a whole nother story for another day but he's about to send his people. He knows he's about to die. And so these are his last words as a leader, his last words to the people. This is the last thing Moses is going to say to them. Here's what he says, Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning verse 1. 
Moses called all the people of Israel together. Now think in terms, think in terms of community, not individual, but he's speaking to the group, the, 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 the whole, the community, multi-generational. Called them all together and said, listen carefully, Israel. Hear the decrees and regulations I am giving you today so you may learn them and obey them. Now, we need to understand before we move on in this passage, when he says you here, in the original language, this is plural. He's talking you as in all of you, not just you. You. That, that's the picture. I, I grew up in the South. In the South, we would have said it like this. All y'all. All right, this is an all y'all moment that Moses is giving here. All y'all. And then Moses starts off by telling this story. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Mount Sinai. The Lord did not make this covenant with our ancestors, but with all of us who are alive today. And the mountain the Lord spoke to you, at the mountain the Lord spoke to you face to face from the heart of the fire. I stood as an intermediary between you and the Lord, for you were afraid of the fire and did not want to approach the mountain. He spoke to me, and I, because most of talking to the generation, to, to the crowd, and I passed his words on to you. This is what he said. Now, what happens next, we're not going to read it, but what happens next is Moses is going to, again, share with them what you and I call the Ten Commandments. And I want to stop right here because you need to, to know the context here. This is a speech to the entire community for the entire community. Here's the difference. If this were, were to happen today, here's what we would do. We would listen to the Ten Commandments. Some of us would be like, I need to write these down. And you get out a pencil, because you're old school, and you would write them down. Some of you would pull out your phone and go, and you would, you would text them down, and you would have them. Some of you would sit there and go, got it, lock them in right here. And then we would all go to our own individual homes, and we would shut the door, and we would pull the blinds, and maybe we would, maybe we would look at the list, and maybe we would decide all right, yeah, I think I can do this. But back then, when this happens, they saw this as a, this is what we are going to do. This is not just about me, this is about us. Again, it's about the community. It's about the whole. We are going to live this out. And I am going to hold you accountable to it. And I want you to hold me accountable to it. And I'm going to hold your kids accountable to it. And I want you to hold my kids accountable to it. This is not just for me. This is an us kind of thing. And so Moses begins to unpack these Ten Commandments and then begins to sum it all up with this basic statement. You want to be a person who follows after God? You want to be a people who follows after God? He says basically this. We've summarized it like this a thousand times in this room. Then you've got to love God and love people. That's the law of God. You got to love God and love people. That, that's, what it look, that, that's what it looks like. And we got to do it together. So now fast forward a couple of chapters to the end of Moses' speech. Fast forward to the end. He says these final words as a kind of, okay, here's the result. If we do this, if we together love God and love people as a community, if we love God and love people, here's the results if you live that way. Uh, chapter 6, verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you, and your children, and your grandchildren, again, multi 
must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey, then all will go well with you, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. He says, if you do these things, you will live a life like no one else. The hand of God will be evident on your life and on your family. It will affect how long you live. It will affect your kids and their kids and their kids. You will be marked by the blessings and the grace of God. Talk about an uncommon family, right? Moses says, if you put these things into practice, if you live this out collectively in community, that's what you will experience. Now, there's a lot going on here. And then the next verse, here and in the next verses, so for the next four weeks after today, through the month of October, we're going to try to unpack all these things that Moses lays out, these great principles that God gives us about how to have an uncommon family. But before we get to those, we have to stop right here in chapter 6 and chapter 5. We've got to stop right here, and we've got to figure out this one big overarching umbrella principle that sets up the next four. And that is this principle that is shared here for the, how they can kind of have this, this influence on each other because they're in community with one another. So before we can get to the what, before we can get to the how, we have to start with the who. So before I get to this umbrella, this big biblical umbrella principle, let me give you some other principles about parenting. Principles you already know. These are not necessarily biblical principles. These are just true. You've lived these. You know these. Here's the first one. This is practical stuff now. Our kids have many influences on their lives. That, you, you know this already. I think we'd all agree with that. There are many things that influence our kids today. Things like the media. Things like Instagram, Snapchat, or Netflix, or YouTube, or movies, or Spotify, or Apple Music, or whatever a TikTok is. All those things have influence on our kids. Our kids' friends have influence on them. They pick up on what their friends do. They pick up on what their friends think what their friends say their heroes have an influence on them. be it a sports star or a music star, social media influencer they want they buy what those celebs are selling whatever they do our kids want to do our kids are impacted by their heroes our kids have many influences on their life here's the second principle that you already know the more positive the influence the more positive the result you know this we want our kids we want our grandkids to be around positive influences. So here's what we do. Sometimes we remove our kid from a negative influence. They're in a bad place. They're making bad decisions. We remove them from that situation. For some of you, that might have been a television show. There were channels on my TV growing up I could not watch. I was not allowed to watch. Some of you might, it, it, maybe you've done this with video games or a certain type of movie or music or friends or environments. You as a parent, you just make those calls and you remove your kid from that influence. You remove the negative influence. But when you remove something, that also means you have to add the good. If your kid's having trouble in school, you add a tutor. If your kid's having trouble in their sport, you add a mentor or a coach. You want to add the positive. Listen, that's why some of you are here. That's why some of you are watching online. That's why some of you started coming to church because something happened in your life to make you think, I've got to get my kids around some more positive influences. Let's try church. And you may not even be sure where you are. 
where you are with the Bible, but you knew that you needed something, and that's how you got here. And I'm thrilled that you're here. And I'm thrilled that you're still here and that you want a positive influence on your kids. Now, what begins to happen is, slowly, we begin to think that the church can fix all of our kids. And we begin to think of the church kind of like this, this big car wash. And we send our kids through the car wash, and when they come out on the other side and you pick them up in the basement when, at the end of the services, they just become these perfect little little children and they're just they come home singing your praises and they're just happy and there's listen that's a tremendous amount of pressure to put on us as leaders that's an unreal amount of pressure to put on us as church leaders here's the thing about this which leads us to the third principle despite all those great things no one has more influence on your kids than you No matter how much you think teachers have a big influence or coaches have a big influence on your kid, no matter how much you think the church has a big influence on your kid and and staff members and youth coaches, no one has more influence on your kid than you, the parent. This is true of you too. There are things that you do today that you learn from your parents and you do them the same way your parents did them, you don't even know why you do it, but you do it. There are some of you who would rather walk in the cold and snow than drive a Ford. Why? Because your daddy drove a Chevy, and you wouldn't be caught dead in a Ford. My wife's favorite baseball team is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Why? Because her dad's a Dodgers fan, and she grew up watching Dodgers games with her daddy. Your parents still have an influence on you. Now, you may be thinking, I I don't know. I only see the kids for like a half an hour in the evening. I only have my kids every other weekend. I just don't have as much time with them or or they've moved out. Listen, no one has more influence on your kids than you do. The question is, what kind of influence are you having? What kind of influence are you having? Is it an influence that helps your kid learn to love God and love people? Or not at all? What this means, this idea of loving God and loving people falls upon not just the church's shoulders, but yours as well. Let me see if I can illustrate this. Reggie Joyner came up with this beautiful idea. I love this this illustration. I think I've even used it before. I've got some beads up here. In this jar, I have 40 red beads. These 40, little 40 red beads, represent the influence that the church has on your kid's life. Now, what I mean by that, in the typical year, whatever typical is anymore, but in the typical year, if you bring your child to church on a regular basis, we, as a church, we have, over the course of a year, we have 40 hours of influence on your kid youth group sunday school junior church trips we have on average of 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 a regular attending church member 40 hours of influence on your kid's life in a year you know how much influence you have as a parent don't fall three thousand hours 
of influence in a year with your own kids. You're thinking, well, you know, they're in school and they sleep half the night. This is after we subtract all that. We take all that out. You have so much more influence on your kids than we do. And that's why it's so important when it comes to these issues of loving God and loving people that you don't say, well, we'll just let the church deal with it. Because we don't have enough time. Now, we, we, we maximize this time. We, we do our best with these 40 hours that you've trusted us with your kid. We do our best, but we just don't have enough time to get it done. That's why it's important when it comes to these issues of loving God and loving people, you don't just say, well, we'll let our kids figure it out. Because they need your assistance. The difficulty comes at the point when you realize, I've got the most influence, but I don't have all the answers. And your kid comes up to you one day and says, how long is eternity? Or your kid looks at you one day and says, well, where do we go when we die? Or your kid says something like, can God make a rock so big that even God can't lift it? And you think, I, I, I don't know. I need this but I've got this. So how do we pull all of this together? Here's how. Even though we are the biggest influence in our kids' lives, we as parents be the only influence in our kids' lives. Because uncommon families, and here's our first, biblical, first of five big biblical principles for raising our kids. Uncommon families widen the circle of influence on our kids' lives. So that it's not just me, it's us. It's the community. Work together. We do this. It's not just the parent, it's not just the church, but together we are doing this. Uncommon families widen the circle of influence of people teaching our kids how to love God and how to love people more than just us more than just the church, we do this together. Let me give you two very practical ways you can do this real quickly. Two ways that you can widen the circle of influence in your kids, your grandkids' life. And this is the part where I'm going to need some of you in my kids' life. First, first one is this. Partner with the church. Partner with the church. Moses said this is an, an all kind of thing. This is a community kind of thing. We are all in this together. We learn to lean on each other for this. And one of the ways that will work best for your family is to partner with the church. You plug in. You make church an active, important, regular part of your family's life. When your kids go to our Faith Kids programming, they get more than just child care, so you get an hour off while you can come upstairs. They get more than They get a lesson. They get worship. They get an experience. They get to learn how to love God and love people. And when they come home, if you'll take the time, they will be ready to talk about what they just experienced and what they just You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a priest or a youth minister or read your Bible even to, to, to talk to your kids about something that they just experienced. Suddenly the value that they've learned on Sunday morning turns into the value that you are teaching and you are reinforcing all week long. If your students are older, if your kids are older, middle school, high school students, into our faith student programming on Sunday nights. This is just a fun environment that we've created to help your kids learn how to love God and love people. And then after you pick them up, after they drive home, talk to them. What'd you learn? Who was there? What'd you do? What did you experience? What do you think about that? Let's talk about that 
together and keep the conversation going. Partner with the church. Here's the second. This is where I need you. Start pursuing strategic relationships for your kids. Your kids, especially if your kids are still at home, your kids need other adults in their lives saying the same things that you do. Adults who share the same values, the same beliefs, the same truths, the, 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 same, the same philosophy of love God and love people. They, your kids need that person in your life. You, you need adult friends who have earned your trust and your kids' trust who can speak truth into your kid's life. Reggie Joyner, again, uh, in his book, Parenting Beyond Your Capacity, tells a story of when his son was a teenager and was really going through a rough spot. And Reggie knew something was wrong, but he didn't know what was wrong with his kid. And so he, he approached his son and says, what's going on? And his son just finally said, Dad, I, I, I can't talk to you about this. And Joyner says, in, in a moment of, of, of God's wisdom, I looked at my son and said, okay, if you can't talk to me about it, who can you talk to about it? And his son, his teenage son, Kevin, I'll talk to Kevin. And Reggie Joyner says, at that moment, I had never been so grateful for another adult having influence in my son's life. This past summer, my oldest daughter, Molly, got to experience a, a 10-day conference out in Malibu, California. That's a pretty good place to spend 10 days. She was on the campus of Pepperdine University for this event called Crossways. She had an amazing time. But one of the things that they did in, this, in, this, in these 10 days was they asked the kids to consider and to think about the people in their lives who have had an influence on them. So we dropped her off at Pepperdine. We spent a couple more days in L.A. We drove back to the airport in Las Vegas before we had a chance to talk to Molly. We're sitting on the floor of the Las Vegas airport when Molly gives us a call. We're trying to scarf some dinner before we get on the plane to fly back to Ohio. And I'm talking to my daughter, and she goes, well, we had to do this exercise today where we had, we had to come up with this, they call it the Grove of Mentors. And she starts telling me about you by name. Many of you who are in the room who have had an influence. I'm sitting on the floor of the Las Vegas airport crying, not because I lost a bundle in Vegas, crying because of the influence that this church has had and is having and will continue to have on my child. Thank you. So let me ask you, church, does your kid have anybody like that? Someone who knows their quirks and their habits, who knows their heart and their personality and somebody who is not only has their best interest but your best interest in mind someone who speaks the same principles of love god and love people do you have anybody in your life that can speak into your kid's life some of you may be thinking i, I don't even know where to start but that can change so i got some homework for you will you start praying this week god who needs to be in the circle of influence for my family and let me Praise just a little bit for those of you whose kids are already out of the house. Would you start praying, God, whose can I be in for their family? That's a friend, a neighbor, a coach, a family member, a church member, but somebody who loves God and loves people and they can start speaking truth into your kid's life. Start praying that prayer this week and let's see where God leads you. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for these principles. 
And Father, again, I, I thank you for this church and for the men and women and youth coaches and Sunday school teachers, the volunteers, the people who have driven church fans and led trips that have had an influence in my family and have helped my kids learn to love God and love people. And God, would you find us being that for each other? Because we're in this, not on our own, but we're in this together. 